Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services, for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today we have Rima Abidkader and Brooke Sheehan. They, I'm going to introduce them individually and then bring what they've got going on together. Rima is an entrepreneur. Um, she has a knack for being creative and solving everyday problems. What's awesome about her is she's a single mom to one amazing little boy. Follow them on Facebook all the time and see how he's growing. He's awesome. But after she went through a divorce, she was forced to start her life over again with being a stay-at-home mom. And we're going to talk about the struggles that led her to create um, a clothing company called Le Voile Collection. And um, it is driven by women empowerment and built on um, ethical manufacturing practices, which is awesome because a lot of clothing companies nowadays don't use ethical manufacturing practices. Brooke is a chiropractor by day and an entrepreneur by night. She's also a single mom to a awesome little girl who we also watch grow up on Facebook and she's super cool. Um, She actually was in an abusive relationship and so we're definitely going to go into that and talk about the struggles of how she found her source of power and regained her self-esteem and got out of that relationship and how she rediscovered herself and got into the world of chiropractic and going to school for that. Um, Together though, they have a company called Cup of Sugar, which is really what we're going to talk about because they have a lot of the same values that Surviving the Thriving has, where they bring everybody together in the community to request food ingredients, which is super cool. So if you're cooking and you don't have a cup of sugar, you can ask your neighbors down the road. They are partnering with Comcast Communications, which is also Xfinity. And they're going to be, they're in the San Francisco Bay area right now, but they are planning on expanding way further out than that. I'm just going to have you guys introduce yourself again and, and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Awesome. Thank you, Heather. This is Brooke. And yeah, just like what Heather had said, um, I am a chiropractor. I have a eight-year-old daughter and just rocking the single mom life and yeah, doing me. Yeah, awesome. And I'm Rima. Yeah, I guess what you guys don't know is we met through a holistic moms group about nine years ago and have been best friends ever since. So, you know, that's also helped our business yeah. you know, grow <laughs> because we had that solid foundation prior. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, we met you guys at Thrive last two, wow, two years ago, time mm-hmm. flies. Um, and you were also in, we talk about him a lot, Travis Chapel. you were in his first mastermind with Zach. Um, that's how we got connected and started. And we've just been watching you guys build your empires ever since. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So let's um, talk about a little bit individually. Uh, Rima, how did you start your company? What was it like going through that whole process? I don't know if I believe in coincidences, but the whole business started by accident. I, it was a hobby. I, I was kind of struggling with finding modest clothing at the time. I was still married. I have like religious beliefs that are that are not necessarily, you know, the same as my cultural, you know, upbringing. So I had to find a middle ground where um, I was making stuff that was that kind of was like true to my personality and my 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 culture, but also like true to my my religious beliefs. So I started, you know, making scarves that were comfortable and cardigans and whatnot. And then people started asking me, you know, friends started asking for for some. So it, it, it wasn't actually a business until, until I had, after I had gotten divorced, it was like, it was something that I believed that, okay, this is something that there is a demand for. I, I've gained some experience in it and it was pretty rough. 
you know, not having experience in manufacturing. I'm not a fashion designer. I, I, I'm actually like a sociology, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a major. So the, so manufacturing here in the States was, was really interesting struggle. We, we had some big mistakes that I've learned from that have turned into like our, our unique selling propositions and the business has really, it's, it's grown a lot. So, yeah. It definitely has. I think that's awesome. I know that a lot of women struggle with finding modest clothing that fits their personality. A lot of times it's very, you know, you get black, white, and gray. (laughs) That's all you get. And, but there's so many other ways to express your personality through your clothing while still adhering to your religious beliefs. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that that was one of the biggest things back Back then, there were not many options um, out there, so it was it was a struggle to find stuff that that you felt good in. And I really do believe that when you feel comf- you feel comfortable in what you're wearing, you are more confident. And that was like something that I had to I had to find for myself. Nowadays, like the market is so saturated, where the modest fashion industry is is like booming. It's it's crazy, but but it took us a while to get there. So. So yeah, no, definitely. Are you doing custom wear or is it kind of like you just, you go on the website and what you have, you have, did it start out as custom wear or? Um, it kind of started out as custom wear. Now everything is on the website. I, I manufacture, you know, larger quantities, so I don't do anything custom. But when I started out, yeah, I think that's how I, I was able to grow my customer base was because I was individualizing stuff for people like, oh, you want it this specific length? Okay, I will take an extra hour <laughs> <laughs> to do that. But um, but nowadays, no, everything we, we just manufacture, you know, large quantities and what you see is what you get. You know, maybe for like really close friends, I'll adjust things here and there. But other than that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, um, it, it, you, like I mentioned in the bio, it's um, ethically sourced or ethically manufactured. How did you go about finding that, and what was the path of doing that? Because it's so easy to just find a sweatshop to make definitely everything, and you get more of a profit margin and all this stuff. So, how did you find those, and how did you build that aspect of the business? So um, because I manufacture locally, I'm able to vet these places a lot easier. I, I only hire manufacturers who, who are not like paying their, their, their people wages under the table or whatnot. Everything has to be like legal. I make sure that the manufacturing facilities are clean, you know, airy, making sure that these people are on breaks. You know, I talk to some of the employees. So, so the vetting process is a lot easier because it's local. Being in America, we don't have as many sweatshops. At, like it's not as common as it would be, for example, in China or Vietnam. But, but you, you never know. Like I, I have had manufacturers that were very shady that, you know, my first manufacturing run, actually, we were in the middle of manufacturing and one day the company had closed down completely and went to Mexico. <laughs> and just didn't say anything? production with my product. So, so when I say I've learned a lot along the way, it's been, it's been a very, um, it's been a very good learning experience. Definitely. That's crazy. I can't believe it. Manufacturers is like so crucial, especially if you're having a quality product. I mean, we have companies that make stuff that are, you know, just make random. We have a forever 21, you know, in every sort of business, you know what I mean? Like that fast fashion where, you know, it's, it's disposable, you know, where, so like making a quality product, you have to really be careful with what type of manufacturer you're, you're hiring and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. I a hundred percent agree with that. All right. So to kind of switch gears a little bit, let's talk to Brooke. I know that you are a chiropractor now. I want to, what's that journey been like and how did you get started and knowing that that's what you wanted to do? Well, yeah. So I recently graduated in June, uh, June in December. Uh, so a little over a month ago now, and uh, that journey started back in 2014, 13 or 14. I was pregnant with my daughter and just started learning a lot about the childbirth process, and realized I wanted to really go down or attempt to have a natural childbirth. 
And so chiropractic was included in that process. And so it was just something that I, like a tool that I put in my toolkit, you know, to make sure I was successful in that attempt. And I really um, ended up gravitating or like really um, getting to know a lot of the chiropractors in the San Diego community, which ended up being mentors and people who spoke life into my broken spirit. I mean, at the time, like I was going through a lot of horrible things in my relationship, even pregnant. Um, there was a lot of toxicity and that kind of stuff. So the chiropractic profession or the chiropractors within San Diego, like really just helped bring me back to life. And I, it really triggered in me, like something like, I'm like, wow, I really resonate with this natural health philosophy that the body is a self-regulating self-healing mechanism. And that if we remove the interference, the body's able to do what it needs to do to be able to heal itself, you know, without needing all of these extra external um, drugs or, you know, that stuff is definitely, there are times and places for it. Um, we've gone very, very extreme here in Western medicine. And um, so it led me down a path to start going for my undergrad um, credits getting all of that. And I finally started school April of 2016. Um, so it's a three and a half year program. I graduated December of 2019. So yeah, I mean, that's been, been the journey. It's been quite the process. So <laughs> definitely. I kind of want to jump back to the beginning of that a little bit. So you, in 2013, you were still in your relationship or? Okay. So it was... And you were pregnant at the time. So or... 2000, sorry. So I, I think I got a little bit ahead of myself. I got pregnant in 2010. Um, I had the baby in 2011. So I found chiropractic early on around that time. It wasn't until about 2013 or 14 when I decided that chiropractic was like a calling in my life. So I was a patient. I was under care. My daughter was getting, you know, cared for all of this stuff for like two years after, you know, and she still is, and so am I, but yeah. Definitely. Um, I kind of want to go into um, your relationship a little bit, if that's okay with yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. When you first met your ex-husband, mm -hmm. what, what was the relationship like? I know a lot of women and a lot of people outside of abusive relationships assume that everything's horrible from day one and, you know, mm -hmm. then do the victim blaming of, well, why would you get into that relationship? Mm -hmm. But I just, I kind of want to talk about what was it like from day one? Because then it kind of builds that picture of everything was probably perfect for a, a while. Yeah. So, so I was really young. Um, we have a 17 year age difference between us. I think I was 22 or 23 when I met him. Um, things were fine. You know, initially things were good. I think looking back on it, like at a, you know, a lot of years later, I could see that there was a lot of red flags that existed prior to even getting into it. But I, I, I didn't know, you know, and I kind of just was really kind of just caught up in it all. Mm -hmm. And I've told Rima and I've, you know, we've talked to some other people about it. And I, what I've realized is that he loved me more than I loved myself at the time. Like I had no self-esteem. I didn't know who I was. I, you know, didn't see my value, see my potential, anything like that. So here's this person in my life that's almost like taking over as like a father figure in a way, like weird kind of, you know, demented situation. But like he loved me so much. And I didn't love myself at all. So I was like, I'm stupid not to marry this person, you know, because no one's going to love me like this. Right. And, you know, there was no physical abuse. I say that only be, there wasn't any physical abuse. Like he didn't actually like lay his hands on me. There's been multiple times where he attempted, but he also had prior prison time. And so I think that that's what protected me from actually getting hit physically. I was emotionally and verbally abused. Um, but I don't think that he wanted to go back. So. Right. It's a lot easier to cover up yeah. non-physical abuse and, oh, totally. and be able to manipulate people into thinking that it's not happening than it is right. to 
cover right. up physical abuse. Right. Um, what were some of those red flags that looking back now that you see to kind of maybe educate women who are in relationships that they should look for these types of things? So the biggest one was how we treated the other. So we were coworkers. The biggest one was how we treated the other coworkers. Very disrespectful, very just demoralizing, very like speaking down to them. And he was in no position to be doing so. It wasn't like, you know, he was a manager. And even then, like there's no, at no point in time where you make someone feel less of a human being, you know. Um, but the way he spoke to people, he didn't ever speak to me like that, you know, but it spoke to all the other coworkers like that. Um, the fact that there were prior issues in his past that led him to get into the situations that he did. So, you know, those kind of things, like, like I, I believe that people can change. I really truly do. But then there's also some like narcissistic type personalities that that that's almost something you want to run away from and if you see narcissistic like personality traits yeah it, it's something those are red flags like blaring in your face yeah and there was a book I actually I, I'm again I'm all over the place but I was in therapy for two years um mm -hmm. and during that time in therapy is when I kind of gained the strength to like exit the relationship but one of the books she had me read was how to spot a dangerous man before you get involved. Well, I was already involved Right. <laughs> I'm reading this book and I'm just like, my eyes were so blown wide open. And I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. This is him. 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 So that's a great resource. How to spot a dangerous man before you get involved. Um, if, if anybody like wants to get a hold of that book, really, really great one. Definitely. Um, I think that it's so huge to talk about those red flags because people don't know them or don't understand them. And especially, like you said, you're really young and a lot of young, even younger, 18, 19 year olds are mm -hmm. getting into serious relationships with mm -hmm. people that may not be the right person for them. But like you said, they have, I mean, every 18 year old has self-esteem issues and then they're getting into really serious relationships without going down that path of loving themselves first so that's why I really wanted to go into those red flags because it's such a huge resource and, and hearing it from somebody who's been through it is a little more uh people take it more not I don't want to say seriously than but then um if we say it on the podcast so yeah 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 um, so I want to talk about how did you guys meet? Um, because I really want to get into cup of sugar and that whole venture. So we've talked about you guys individually. So let's bring you guys together. How did you meet and how did this form? Back in 2011, 2012, yeah. I think, um, at the time I was the holistic moms chapter leader for San Diego. We were, we were really into like, like our kids were newborns, you know, we were really into the holistic, you know, lifestyle and we still are. And Brooke had came to one of the meetings and forgot a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I had taken all like the lost and found stuff to get home and I get a message from, I emailed you. She, I she was, emailed me. I was so <laughs> such a, I don't know if we can say bad words, but I'm just, I'm, I was like so scared oh, instead of chicken blah, blah, blah. But I was scared to, like, I'm such a weirdo and I didn't want to call. Like all her contact information was there. And I was like, oh, I need to reach out to this, the leader and see if she found this. It wasn't just a regular water bottle. It was like a really nice glass water bottle that I spent a lot of money on. And I was just like very attached to it. And so <laughs> I sent this girl an email, okay? <laughs> email, didn't even call her. And I'm like, hey, I was a guest there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did you happened to find this water bottle she emailed me back and we connect like we meet up at a like a place like you Nordstrom were Rack. we met at Nordstrom <laughs> Rack yeah she was out at the mall and I'm with my sister okay I send my sister in to go get the water bottle from her like this is how like nervous and like scared I was like I'm like I can't interrupt your bottle <laughs> I'm not good enough you know like I mean, I had such value issues, like where it was just like, oh my gosh, she's, she's God. And I'm like, just this oh little, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, it was so funny. Yeah. Because... <laughs> it was really interesting because I was like, oh, okay. Like, 
oh, it's not you, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We, we ended up connecting one more time at another. We, I would uh, go to the meetings. To the meetings. I would see you on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, from that point on, like, and then I, I was off on Fridays. Something changed with my work schedule, like after the first year of like meetings. And then I would go to her house every Friday. And so our kids would play together. They were like one or two at yeah. this point would play together and we would just like make food and like hang out like every Friday. And so from those Fridays, it kind of like transitioned into more and more and more. Yeah. And this was right around the time, maybe a few, a year, maybe before I got divorced. It was before I was divorced. And before you were divorced. Yeah, exactly. So like our kids were really young at the time and we just really like grew this, this really solid friendship, you know, on, on, you know, just the struggles we were going through, um, with our relationships, you know, our kids growing up together, you know, trying to make all this like, you know, healthy, nutritious stuff. Like we would sit there and make like homemade chicken nuggets, chicken nuggets homemade. and crackers and yeah. toothpaste. And back, you know, at the time, I it wasn't as common like to just go to the grocery store. It wasn't as convenient as it right. is now, you know. So it was it was like a big deal back then. So so ever since we were we just been you know been inseparable. And it's funny because our business idea actually, yeah, you know, like was born through our interactions. Like it was not intentional at all. No. So yeah. Awesome. So let's, let's go into that. So how was the business born? So (laughs) I had a bake sale for, I had a bake sale for my, my, I don't even know what this bake, was it a bake sale? I had to bake something. We were (laughs) And I forgot, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and I was missing eggs. The kids were sleeping. Yeah. She I was, was here. We were, yeah. yeah, We I was spending the night at her house because um, I was down in San Diego for the summer. I lived in the Bay Area when I was in chiropractic school. Yeah. Um, so I was the down here. Those were probably summer. closed at 11. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we could have probably found something, like driving all over town. Would have been better prepared, you know? <laughs> and I was another adult yeah exactly right so so we're you know in the kitchen she realizes she doesn't have eggs and then like yeah I knew one neighbor of mine so I text her and I was like hey can I borrow a couple of eggs and mind you we've had like many interactions before you know she's like sent down food I've sent sent up stuff you know so we've already had that like we've established this like relationship and um, I had messaged her, I was like, hey, do you have a couple of eggs? So she sends her kid down with like a few eggs. We make the cake or the brownies, I don't even yeah. remember what it was. And, and then that was done, you know, without, like we'd never, we didn't think about it for a couple of months. And then a few months later, Brooke calls me while I was like visiting my mom. She, goes, she's in Mexico and I'm on WhatsApp. <laughs> and I don't know, like, it's one of those things in life that it's just like something that hits you so hard where you're just like, you can't stop thinking about it. Like it consumes your thoughts. It consumes like everything about you, you know, and she's gone. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I need to like talk to her. So I'm like, what's happening her? I've been like, mind you, like doing tons of research prior to even like reaching out to her to like, see if somebody had done something similar or like what that would even look like all of these things like brainstorming, um, brain dumping, like all of it. And so one of the things about me is I am crazy, crazy, crazy about food waste. Like I will like consume the last drop of something like before I will like toss it out. Like I'm not the person like, oh, it's got a little bit left in the bottle. Like it's done. It's like, no, we're going to drain this whole thing before we toss it out. So like, and she's very, very big on knowing her community and like getting to know her neighbors and things like that. So I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like how crazy, cause like this would be phenomenal. And so called her up and basically said, look, like, you know, she knew one neighbor in her, in her complex. I'm crazy about food waste. What if we built an app that allows people to be able to like get the things that they're needing, like being able to like ask a neighbor without the awkwardness, because it's very awkward. Like because she knew that person, it was a little easier, but like imagine like stepping out your front door and eat, like knocking on a door or, you know, like making an app like that is very, very awkward. And then 
not to mention over 40% of the food that's purchased within the United States from U.S. households ends up in landfills. So it's like just wasted money, wasted resources, the environment is getting harmed in all different kinds of ways. And so we kind of merge the two, like where I'm super passionate about one aspect of it and she's passionate about the other and have like really been able to like foster this sense of community where people actually get to know neighbors that they don't know, you know, because a lot of times people are just coming in and out of their homes in apartment communities and don't really like engage or interact. And this isn't like such a foreign concept either, you know, like cup of sugar has a meaning because it used to be practiced, you know. I lived with my grandparents for a few years overseas and and that's such a it was such a normal concept of like borrowing a cup of sugar from your neighbor or bar- borrowing something and just knowing your neighbors and if you're out, you know, like you know your neighbors are watching out for you or the kids and it's just that community feel where like everybody is like everybody has your back is like something that we don't necessarily experience here in the states you know or or even in this day and time in general it's just like the times really have changed so you know having something like that where at least if you're familiar with the people around you there's a sense of safety that comes with that mm-hmm. you know definitely so, yeah I was going to ask if you've seen that it has led to people creating friendships and creating communities um, or being able to say, hey, can you watch the kids for an hour? And that sort of relationship being built through this app. So so those particular like type of stories, you know, those are something that we're working on, um, like gathering and getting together. Um, definitely have seen people connecting and building friendships where they didn't know each other before and they're getting to know each other because of. Um, over the course of 2019, we hosted a lot of community events um, at apartment complexes where we interacted with the residents, you know, shared how the app worked and um, put on little like social functions like waffle days or like, you know, little luncheons, whatever. And it was really cool to get to see people like coming down from their apartment units and their co- and their homes and getting to like meet people and like interact with each other where they didn't know each other before, you know? And so the stories beyond those, you know, um, pinpoints like are things that we're working on getting beyond yeah you know like where it's like oh like I I found an awesome friend or a babysitter or you know we're we're really hoping to hear like a love story that's That's awesome yeah that would be the hopeless romantic in us we know we made it if there's a love story involved exactly (laughs) yes this is an app and I know from your bio that you guys said you have zero tech skills. So what was it like trying to find um, developers and get this all off the ground and started? So similar to what Rima mentioned earlier in terms of like having no fashion experience, no, you know, like manufacturing to us, you know, it's just like, it, it's one of those things like, like, and I mentioned also where it just kind of hits you so hard and you can't stop thinking about it and consumes you and all this kind of stuff. So it was just really getting our hands dirty in the sense of when it comes to research, right. And like connecting, like we mentioned Travis Chapel, he runs a podcast, build your network. And it's all about networking. And so it was networking with people that like we were connected with on Facebook or putting out posts like, hey, does anybody know anybody in this space? And then getting like um, responses and then reaching out to those responses and then connecting with so-and-so who brought us to so-and-so. And it kind of just led us down like this path where, you know, some of the things didn't work out. Like we had meetings with people and we're just like, that's not what we're looking for. Um, and then we had meetings with other people that were just like, well, that's way out of our budget we're looking for this middle ground. Yeah. And, and don't, don't get us wrong. Like it was very overwhelming, not oh, knowing completely. what, you know, where to go with this like raw idea that we have, like, we don't know like what the next steps are and whatnot. Um, but I feel like also having both of us there where when one of us was like motivated, you know, or when one of us was like ready to give up and be like, I don't really see this like happening. The other one was there to be like, no, no, like, let's just try one more thing. Let's just do this. And it was like this really nice balance the past few years where it, we would never 
be down at the same time. It was so interesting, you know, like it was just pushing each other to just take the next step and to just like make one more phone call, you know, mm -hmm. one more, one more of this, you know, and, and, you know, and we've been really, really fortunate to, to find people in the space that have been able to help us, you know, make this happen, you know. Definitely. So and we've also made mistakes along the way with this too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> lots, lots of mistakes. We can tell you everything <laughs> about what not to do. <laughs> That's in awesome. the fashion industry and in the app industry. Yeah, in the tech. Fashion and tech. <laughs> That's a, a perfect kind of segue, but I don't, I don't want you to tell everybody your struggle or your <laughs> mistakes that you made, but I do want to ask you, how did you deal with that? How did you overcome those mistakes and, and trials and tribulations and get to where you are now? With like, with what specifically? Um, with the business, um, <laughs> business generally, yeah. I, I mean, I'll go ahead and put one of my yeah. mistakes on blast because I don't, I, I mean, you know, we haven't <laughs> talked out what we want to put. <laughs> one of mine was, um, I it was when I was first going into manufacturing, I, I always pre-wash my fabric. I really think that like it adds to the quality of stuff if it's not going to shrink, you know, like it's, that's just like, you know, an additional quality feature. So this one manufacturer, he hadn't relaxed my fabric before he had cut it and everything had warped. The fabric had warped. And it was my first time like putting all the money that I had into like a big manufacturing run. When I got all the fabric I had, so I washed it after, after it was being cut at the time, it had, it had warped at an angle. So like a scarf, a normal scarf is like a, is a rectangle, correct? So it had warped at an angle where the, the short ends were not straight. So like, it was like this. Yeah. That makes sense. You could see me on video, but nobody else knows what that means. The short ends went to an angle. Yeah. The short ends went to an angle, basically. So I remember just kind of like sitting in the corner and just like crying about it for a half an hour because it was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do with all this? Is this just going to go in the trash? Was that money wasted? How, you know, how am I going to fix this? And um, I remember after half an hour, I just, I got up, I had an event that I had to go to and I had to finish this product. I got up, I started fixing the, the scarves and cutting them at an angle. And I sold them as like a limited edition angled scarf that I sold out that day of all of my angled scarves. Everybody wanted the limited edition stuff. And now we only make angled scarves. So <laughs> yes, and we're the only, we're the only company on the market that actually makes an angled scarf. And it's like this huge selling point where we're like, oh, it's like, it's lighter. It gives you length and coverage without being too heavy and, and whatnot. And it's like this like super cool thing that everybody like loves, you know, little did I know when that, that mistake had happened was, you know, little did I know that it was going to turn into this, you know? So so, so you just kind of like, you try to find the silver lining and, and just go with it. I guess. Did you try it on before you sold it to say like, okay, this might actually work. I, I did. I did. I was like, well, I, I'm, I am pretty crafty. So it's like, I started taking it and playing with the fabric. I'm like, okay, if I cut off these angles or is it going to be too short? Is it going to be too? So I had to like experiment with it a little bit. Yeah. But, um, it, it worked out. I was surprised. Like I was selling stuff and I was like, really, really? You want this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so now in business, so people are like, ask Zach for stuff. And he's like, I mean, I'm not going to say no to your money, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh -huh. so yeah, now it's become one of our like biggest selling points with our like original scarves. And we, we've built the designs on top of that, you know, like we've really grown like that, that design, but that's our original. And, you know, it's like our, our best seller. And I would have never even made it if I hadn't made that mistake. So. So, so basically what Rima's saying is sometimes you just need to let a good cry come out and, <laughs> and then really kind of pull yourself off the ground and move forward. Because like, I would like, say like the greatest like, next thing ever. Right. Yeah. You know, and then like, like the, like how we overcame struggles and issues with cup of sugar, like one, we both have the support of each other. Like she had mentioned earlier, just being able to like keep each other accountable to different things. And then really, really, really being mindful of what is going into your headspace, like constantly having positive, 
like people speaking into your life, whether that's through mentors or podcasters or, you know, different like celebrities or people that like have gone through struggles in life and have overcome. And you can kind of just like get a sense of hope from their stories to know that you can continue to keep going. And I think that that's been something for me um, personally that it's helped like me continue the process through these struggles is that I've been able to you know, just kind of, yeah, definitely change my headspace. That is so huge. Literally all we talk about on this podcast <laughs> is mindset. Every yes. single person that we've brought on the show has hit on mindset because yeah. it's so huge. It really is. If you can change your, the thoughts that you're feeding to yourself, right. On top of the thoughts that are coming into you through other sources, other people, right. You can do amazing things. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys are just in the San Francisco Bay Area right now through the app. What are your goals to grow this app? So we are in San Francisco um, at the moment. Um, I've since moved back to San Diego and then we're going to focus a lot of our attentions here in this region. Of course, the app is available, you know, nationwide. Um, the the thing is it's obviously doesn't work unless there's like a group of people that are using it collectively together so if anybody's listening to this and would like to get it into their communities definitely reach out to us and we can you know help um with that or help you get started to get it into your communities but we're focusing a lot of our efforts here in the apartment communities as well as the college dorm rooms um here in san diego and then eventually um once we can get good traction here we want to be able to expand further throughout california and beyond right um the goal is to just be able to create sense of community everywhere and not just segregate it to like one place definitely yeah so what is your partnership with comcast that's exciting that's such a huge name how did yeah. that come about so Actually, um, I was doing a lot of cold calling uh, back in January of 2019 and reaching out to property management companies and asking them, hey, like we have this, this app, it you know works specifically with your guys' residents, like could I come in and, and host an event? I got no after no after no after no. I mean, so many, right? It's just like, it's just a numbers game. And that's what I had to keep telling myself. And I had to say, okay, like, Every single time you push through your fear, pick up the phone and do something, you're growing, you know, and, and the company is going to grow in proportion to how much we grow as individuals, Rima and I. And I, and I believe that like wholeheartedly. And so there was so much fear and so much struggle in that, but I continued to keep making calls and making calls. And I end up meeting this person who was a regional manager at a few different apartment complexes up in the Bay Area who connected me to one of his property managers. So I go do an event at, at um, the uh, property over there and like Xfinity Comcast was there because they have a full-time team, full-time team, like uh, company-wide. Um, like I said, we're only in San Francisco right now with them, but company-wide um, where they like go into these property management companies and do these events. And so with the partnership with Xfinity, we would do the events in conjunction with Xfinity. So we were able to like leverage their um, name as well as get our own name out there and be able to help with their budgets for the event and do all that kind of stuff. So it's just been, it's been such a great partnership. Like I met one Xfinity rep or Comcast rep and then it kind of expanded into way more after that. Cause then it just, we kept putting a good name out for ourselves, you know? was so, about the connections again. Yeah, you know, and networking and connections. Yeah, it goes back to that. It's not about what is Travis say it's not about what you know but who you know. <laughs> yep. Definitely. So, yeah. what can our audience and our listeners do to make this bigger and and grow this? Seeing as um, we're in Atlanta, so we're not obviously not right nationwide but so, I mean, like if, if they live in an apartment community and would love to see the app, like within their region, um, if they want to reach out to us, we can definitely help like send out some marketing material, little like postcards and stuff that they can like give out to their neighbors or maybe even talk to their property management company about posting something out to like the, you know, either the bulletin board pages and those kind of stuff. Um, that would 
help us expand it. It doesn't further. require any work. Like you just download it, download the app on, on your iPhone. And, um, and then, you know, as long as you have enough people, it's a very simple app to use. So yeah, it's not complicated or anything like that. I guess the one thing we should mention, so at this time um, of the interview too, like during this interview process, we are only on iPhone at the moment. We are working on expanding into Android. So if you are an Android user, um, if you just go to our website and sign up for our email list, um, I can either give the website address here, or maybe we put it in the links. Um, well, we can like send you updates on how that whole development process with Android is coming along. So, because I know that that has been some of the frustrations with the some of the residents at events that we've been at, like, ah, when are you guys coming to Android? I'm like, I know, you know, <laughs> Android is a little bit more. And what we've also learned through this process is it's a little more intense to build on because there's so many different phones within that platform, whereas iPhone is or Apple is iPhone, you know, right. just across the board. And that's it. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. So. If we wanted to build a community here, you have the marketing materials, but just as like an actual building the community, how do you, what are some recommendations or tips for people to get over that anxiety or that fear of the awkwardness of being like, Hey, do you want to join this app with me so we can share sugar? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, what, what are some tips for these people to, once they get the marketing materials to go out and actually spread this message? So, I mean, I mean, think about it, like how many times have you been in a situation in the middle of cooking and you needed like this one little tiny ingredient that's like a staple, you know, you're not necessarily asking for like this, like really unique ingredient, you know, you're asking for something like a cup of sugar, you know, some salt and egg, you know, these staple things that most people have. Um, and how willing would you be willing, you know, willing to help somebody else? You know, you have to think about it that way. Like another person is probably just as willing to help you. Um, well, the, th the biggest thing I think that we've, we've said a lot is as human beings, like we have this nature where it's like, we're so like scared to ask for help ourselves, but we're so willing to give help like to another person. And so I think that my advice in, in terms of like them wanting to build a sense of community and trying to get over that fear would be either like a, like maybe they just like place it in a community area, like in the laundry room or in like in places where people are gonna be able to like see it. Um, or even like, it doesn't even have to be about cup of sugar. It could just be like wanting to connect with their community and like smiling as they see people walk by, you know, like are not like trying to divert their eyes and like look the other direction, but make a genuine effort just to say hi or just, shoot somebody a smile, you know, like that goes a long way um, in getting to know people um, beyond just, you know, living in, in our bubbles. Definitely. Rima, I know that you said like your aspect of building this whole app was you make it a priority of yours to meet your neighbors and get to know your neighbors. And this question is directed towards both of you, but why is community so important to you guys? Um, I grew up knowing my neighbors, um, and it just kind of like feels, I, I, I think I'm a friend, I'm a friendly person. I don't think I'm a friendly person. I am a friendly person. <laughs> Maybe I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> but I just, I feel like, um, just knowing the people around you, like there's like a sense of like, you know, safety that comes along with, with that. You know, I grew up knowing my neighbors. You know, my, my son's very friendly. It's so funny because like he knows all of our neighbors, like, and he'll know people that I don't know. And he's like, oh yeah, it's the person that lives over here, you know? So he'll, and he'll have these little conversations with them and whatnot. And there's just like, it's a sense of comfort that comes with that. And it's just, it's weird that we don't know our neighbors. You know, I know it's like such, it's such a norm nowadays, but if you really think about it, it's like, these are people that like, you know, can watch out for your car that could watch out for, you know, if my, my kids playing outside, you know, they, they, they notice that, you know, so it's safety and comfort, you know, to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that is so key. And that's what we're trying to build with surviving to thriving is that community Our one of our huge goals is to create housing for women um, in domestic violence situations. Mm -hmm. So they have somewhere to go after they leave a situation and how scary would it be to go into an apartment complex knowing nobody? You just left 
a violent situation and you don't have a sense of community. You don't have anybody that you can turn to and be like, Hey, I just got here. I don't have eggs and I need to make breakfast for my kids in the morning. Right. That is huge. And exactly what we're trying to build with with the nonprofit. This has been an, an amazing conversation. I think you guys have done amazing work. Um, I just want to ask if there was anything that was not asked or that you want to touch on. Yeah, you, you did great. You Heather. Everything. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we have three questions that we ask every guest that we have on the podcast. Uh, you guys can answer individually. Um, but the first one is, <laughs> you guys look so nervous. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God. <laughs> They're not bad. <laughs> oh, like, I thought those were the questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay so the first one is what would the old you say to the new you or the hmm, i flipped that what would the new you say to the old you oh i want to oh. answer first go ahead so i'm actually getting this tattooed on my body um <laughs> but the new me would tell the old me that you need to first love yourself before you can soar so i'm tattooing um like you fly before you soar. You have to first love yourself before you can get into the next level of life. I like that. Um, for me, I would, wow, I feel like I've talked about this so much and now I feel like I'm at a loss of words. Looking back, I would, I would tell my younger self to be patient and mm. not to like rush to get through life. Mm. I feel like now that I I'm much older. I'm like, why did I rush to finish college quick? Why did I rush to get into a relationship really quick? Why did I rush, you know, like really take your time and like enjoy the moment, you know, and, and, and really try to like evaluate if like a situation is right for you or not, you know? So I 100% agree. I'm in that stage where I'm like, man, why did I rush through college? (laughs) Everybody talks about all these crazy things they did in college. And I was like, I sat in my dorm room and studied. (laughs) (laughs) I 100% feel that one. Um, (laughs) Like slow down. And now I feel like I'm taking it way too slow. And it's like, no, hurry up, woman. No. You slow down too much. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so the the second question is what is something that has gotten you or what do you do to get through a tough time um or a tough situation? Personally, I meditate every single morning and if I'm going through a really tough time or a stressful time, um I will do multiple meditations throughout the day if necessary. Um and I don't have a specific practice, meditation practice, so to speak. I literally will go on YouTube and if I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, I'm like guided meditation for anxiety, you know, and 10 minutes, 20 minutes, like doesn't have to be this, you know, specific in in the box, you know, whatever it's yeah. Meditation has been my outlet for getting through a lot of struggles. I, um, and I don't know if this is like the healthiest, but I tend to like withdraw from my surroundings for, you know, a day or two just to take the space and like really reflect. I have like a, you know, really, I have a few really close friends that I feel like once I'm, I've reflected enough and I need to talk about it, like I'm, I'm able to do that and process it. I really try to process all of my feelings now that I'm older and like, I don't like to like bury them because I feel like they end up coming back up eventually. Right. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of what I do. Awesome. I think that, I think reflection is such a key thing and and meditation as well. It's they, I think they go hand in hand um, Mm -hmm, for sure. And it's definitely something that's key to self-care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is a book, podcast, ebook, quote, anything that you guys live by on a daily basis or that you read and really recommend or listen to and really recommend? Um, I love Ed Milet's podcast. I, I especially love the ones like his solo rounds, the ones where Ed is just kind of like giving his heart and speaking his mind and like really encouraging people through like his struggles and his life and all of that. Did you see yeah. that he um, sent his, his phone number live on, um, what was it, Instagram? 
No. Yeah, Zach swiped it, and he's been nonstop texting this man. (laughs) I'm like, oh my god! (laughs) but I'm like, Ed put it out there, so I love it. You go, Zach. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) So for me, um, I I started reading this book, and it's called The Last Word on Power. And um, one of my mentors actually told me about it recently. And the quote that she had said from it, I feel like really did, did affect me. And it, it goes like this. I feel like because we like dwell so much on, on the past and how things turned out and like our decisions that we made. Um, but this is the quote from the book. It says, life doesn't turn out the way that it should, nor does it turn out the way that it shouldn't. Life turns out the way that it does. And... I, I just, I loved it so much because it was like, it was one of those things that, you know, like we, we always go through these phases in life where it's like, you know, things shouldn't have turned out this way. Things have, you know, shouldn't have been this way. When in reality, they turned out exactly the way that they should have turned out. So, yeah. I 100% agree. That's awesome. I love that quote. Finally, wrapping up, is there, or what are ways that our listeners can connect to you guys? social media, email. So social media, like I can be reached at on Instagram and Facebook um, or Instagram is Brooksby, B-R-O-O-K-S-B-E-E. And then Cup of Sugar is uh, C-U-P-O-S-U-G-A-R-A-P-P. So Cup O Sugar app um, is our Instagram handle there. And our website is the same, cuposugarapp.com. Um, Rima, my Instagram handle is Rima, R-E-M-A, 424. Pretty simple. Yes. I already have like a complicated last name. (laughs) (laughs) Make it easy. Make everything else complicated. Uh, Make it easy on everybody. Definitely awesome. We'll list that, um, the contact information in our show notes, but in case people are driving, listening, they have it there as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you guys for coming on. It's been a great conversation. And I think that what you guys are doing in building community is amazing. Thank you, you, Heather. Thank you for having us. Thank you. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving A-T-L, or online at 2thriving.org.